your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. And good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. Of course, it is the opening of deer hunting season, the gun deer season. So that means Merle Kelch is out in his tree stand listening to us right now, I would imagine. You think? That's debatable, (laughs) That is is debatable, yes. Uh, I think Merle's one of those hunters that goes out like mid-afternoon, maybe for a couple hours till it gets dark, right? Like saunters out there and then says, I I, I hunted until dark We were suggesting that his tree stand is probably about what? 25, 30 feet away from his back door. Yeah, good solid uh, morning stroll. Maybe medium stroll. Good that we could bust his chops here today while he's oh, uh, freezing his tail out in the woods. Anyway, Alan Haugam <laughs> is here, attorney Alan Haugam from the Haugam Law Firm in Wausau, a state planning attorney, and we are here to take your questions uh, about that. Uh, those issues, 715-845-2155. You know, this is the time of year. We're getting to Thanksgiving next week, and then, of course, Christmas, that uh, families start getting together. Uh, maybe you haven't seen, you know, family members for the whole year sometimes people travel in from you know far distances and um you know you probably haven't had the conversations with aging parents uh, or the kids for that matter about what's going to happen when the inevitable happens um and i would imagine this would be a good time of year to have some of those discussions and when you look at it, what are some of the things that people should talk about? Now, obviously, nobody wants to talk about death when they're, you know, gathering around the holiday table. But maybe, you know, after dinner with a, a glass of wine or a beer in their hands, it might be a good idea to to, to uh, visit some of these issues. What should they talk about? You know, we've had a, a, a discussion in the office about this probably over the last maybe two years and, and trying to debate, you know, what the best way or how the best to address it or how to kind of counsel people to address it. And I think part of it is, you know, you just start with, uh, where is everything? You know, we, we have families ask, you know, you can just imagine mom, dad, and the kids, you know, the Norman Rockwell painting. We'll start with that. And where, where the kids come home for, for the holidays and the parents sometimes ask, well, should we give a copy of all of our documents to the kids? You know, uh, assuming everyone has or, or the, the, the parents have already gone through the, we drafted a will and we have powers of attorney and we have, you know, maybe we have a trust, maybe we don't, all those kinds of things. And and the parents say, well, should I give a copy of that to the kids? And I usually say, no, I don't think you should. Now, that's my opinion. If, if someone does, and they might say, well, in our family, we did, and I think it's fine. The The thing is, though, you know, I always think it's it's the, the parents' plan, you know, the parents and their finances and who they give things to. And they might tell everyone exactly what they're doing. But I think the kids should know where those things are yeah. if they ever need to use them. Because obviously no one plans for accidents, but uh, say some both parents are in a car somewhere and all of a sudden, boom, it happens. And then all of a sudden the kids have to come to the house and try to dig through everything to it's find like, out. Where is everything? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you might have the greatest filing system. I don't know, Tom, have you ever put anything anywhere where you said, I'm going to put it here just so I know where it yes. is exactly what, you know, and then. Two weeks later, you're right. like, where is it? Well, oh, absolutely. Now it on a daily basis. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so so I think just, you know, let them know where it is. And and this is one where, and I have a, you know, just kind of different layers of this. People say, well, should I take my, my original documents? Should I put them in my safe deposit box at the bank? And I say, no, don't put anything in a safe deposit box that's like that, that you might need to use or take a look at or, or someone else needs to use. You know, there, there's reasons to have a safe Because you're the only box. one who can get it out of there. Right. And, and you say, well, or I could just have, well, then now my child's going to be my co-owner of the safe deposit box. Or now it's, well, sometimes you need those things because the family gets together on the weekends. Or you want to look at it at night. Or there's a holiday. Or there's a whatever it is. And we don't need to figure out how to get there between 830 and 430 on a weekday. 
So plus, these things aren't irreplaceable. So not to go off on a rant about safe deposit boxes here, but I think put things in there that are just completely irreplaceable. Like, I don't know, if you have the negatives from, you know, the family photo album or the, you know, maybe now it's the CD or You're the winning lottery drive. ticket. Maybe the 2 billion, the <laughs> 2.0 something lottery ticket. Even that, I don't know if I put it in there. But the, uh, you know, but I think, you know, don't worry about the real estate deed to your house because the county's got a copy. You know, you can replace death certificates and birth certificates and marriage certificates. And, you know, the, just to truly, you know, what I always tell people to put in a safe deposit box is cost basis information for the stock that grandma bought and she gifted you during her lifetime, you know, and now you have, you know, whatever it is, whatever you paid for it, you know, the, the tax, those records that the company are long since gone, you know, those kind of things. So just that kind of stuff. But, but for the documents, you know, your attorney's going to have a copy of them. I would certainly hope, make sure it's a, a law firm that you think is going to be around for a while. So, but and, it, and if something happens, you like you say, you have copies of the documents at your absolutely. office. If something happens, the uh, the heirs can come to your office and get copies of those documents without jumping through too many hoops. Correct. Yeah, and it's it's the type of thing where you know even in our office we have you know three separate systems uh, at three separate sites, like these three secure sites for for keeping electronic copies even now. So it's you know you have it. You get a little worried if every once in a while we'll have a, a sole practitioner who's got you know. Uh, he's in the back room and he's got someone answering the phone at the front door. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you, you go by one day and the, the sign's gone and the door's locked and the furniture's gone, you know. So have something where there's a little Better bit of memory. Saul. A, little, a little bit. But I think with, with kids, you know, let them know where things are. So if you say all of our documents are in the gun safe, great. Or they're in the green filing cabinet or they're in the shelf in the home office downstairs, I think all of that's fine. The, you know, don't, I always tell people don't put them on the floor in your how in your basement floor in Wisconsin because every once in a while basement floors flood so just just to be on the safe side but I think let the kids know where they are um, if you want to give the kids a copy maybe of things like a power of attorney for health care possibly a power of attorney for finances you know you could it's it's just something where again those copies are easily accessible the hospital might have a copy anyway but I think you can give those give those to the kids. But the dispositive documents, the will, the trust, where you decide who you're going to give things to, you might change it. And and if you change it, we don't want to have to round up four different copies from all these kids to say the the, the dollar amount to the church goes from two thousand to three thousand. So now we've you know wh- whose accurate you know record of this is should we believe? So who should uh, start these conversations? I mean, I can imagine. You know, crusty old guys who don't want to talk about uh, you know their imminent deaths or their you know and and not gonna doesn't want to talk about a nursing home doesn't want to talk about any of this stuff. So how do you approach that? I think that's that's universal. You know, we, it's the the crusty old guy stereotype is a pretty easy one, and that exists for sure. But I think there's both genders of every every everything. Um, it's just hard. It, it's just plain difficult because it's 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 mortality and it's. Um, you know, your world gets a little bit smaller, and, and it's the loss of independence is a really, really difficult conversation. And I think there's some, you know, we'll talk to uh, people where they want to get the doctors involved, which I think is great. There's some really exceptional kind of medical professionals who, who specialize in that. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's really just, you know, kind of you start with compassion. And to be fair, Tom, I don't think I have the answer to this one. It's one where I just don't know what the best way to do it is, other than just talking about it. I think being honest about it, maybe just saying, hey, here's what we're worried about if something happens. And I think there's a lot of things like, um, you know, it's not even heart attack or stroke. It's a fall. 
you know, that's if you if you talk to the people in the skilled facilities, you know, the assisted living and the, and the skilled you know nursing facilities, nursing homes, they'll say that, you know, like there's there'll be someone doing a presentation. I've been at a couple of these where they say, what's the number one reason why people enter a nursing home? And there's you know they they it's it's this or it's dementia or it's heart attacks or it's strokes or it's it's all kinds of things. And it's fall every time. It's and everyone who works there knows that, and and it's you just say we want to make sure that they're in an environment where this can happen, but. So it's it's not something that you plan for, but it's one where you say, if something happened, what is our plan? What would you want? Where are things? And then how do you how do you deal with it? And uh, and again, a lot of things. I think I'm an I'm an expert in, and that is not one of them. You know, as to how to start that conversation. Um, it's uh, so if anyone has any uh, suggestions, anyone in the community, you want to you know seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. We are open to you know, just kind of how that has worked. But I think, I think the openness about it, some families are more open to it. Some don't, some don't talk about this stuff at all. And, uh, but I think just, you start the conversation and, and analogize, you know, their parents maybe. And, and how did that go? Well, so give us the horror story of what happens then if there is no preparation and the, uh, the kids, you know, say the, the parents die in a car crash, the kids come back and they have no idea where anything is. There may not be anything drawn up at all. Give us the horror story of what happens then. Well, I think it's, you know, first, how do you even access some things? You know, how do you get the keys to a place? So, I mean, start there. Just give the kids maybe a key to the house, which sounds strange. You're like, well, that's, you know, maybe now it's just the garage code, you know, whatever that is that, that they can access the house. Let them know where the documents are. I think let them know where the important papers, you know, quote, unquote, important papers. You know, what is it that you own? Sometimes, you know, parents are, are very open about here's exactly what our investments are, and the kids go with them to the financial advisor and the CPA and the attorney, and other times that is that is just verboten in this family. So so I think start there. Let them know where they could find these things. And and if you share it, great. And if you don't, let them know where they could find it. Have them have access. Give them a, a copy of or, or the information about who their important people are. I would say it's, it's CPA, uh, financial advisor, and attorney, you know, how to get a hold of them. Um, maybe even the the, the office proverbial the three-legged system. stool. Yeah, I think that's that that those people are always important, and, and maybe it's even the, you know, your your family doctor. You know, if something really happened, to be fair, uh, if if there was a medical person that you would trust, who is that, and and how do you get a hold of them? How many people? How many people you know out there? Young people. How many kids who are listening here? How many people know who their mother or father's doctor is it's <laughs> i would imagine that's not that I, you know if, if you had to say i bet probably not a whole lot like, they might say well we know they go to this particular system you know this is the medical system that they go to maybe but as far as which doctor yeah probably not it's you know it, it just isn't they, they just kind of skip past all these things so i think you know start there people always talk about what's the taxes here and what's the transfer this and what's the friction of that and how do you do these things and how do you how do you perform this this transfer of something something no 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 just find the people you know find those people that are important and uh, and you're 90% of the way there 715-845-2155 the number to call let's take a break here we'll come back with more if you have a question for Alan not just on this topic but anything at all that's on your mind here this morning give us a call we'll be right back on WSAU United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and America's largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal law enforcement agencies through our many varied programs, including free safety equipment donations, free officer survival training, cash donations, and condolence letters to the family of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty. 
USDSA also offers college scholarships for the dependent children of law enforcement along with the Citizen Awareness Program and thank you cards to law enforcement. These are just some of the ways United States Deputy Sheriff's Association assists America's law enforcement and the citizens they serve. For more information about United States Deputy Sheriff's Association or to see how you can help, visit www.usdeputy.org. United States Deputy Sheriff's Association, taking training to the next level because lives are on the line. When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. I love our kickball league. Oh, I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I'd love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzzed warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I love your car. Is this real leather? My dad served in Vietnam, the 82nd Airborne Division. He never talked about it. And my mom knew not to ask. So dad buried himself in work and self-medicated and would lose his temper sometimes. Loud noises would put him on edge. It got rough. So I finally said to him, Dad, you gotta get help. As a family member or friend, you may be the first to notice when a veteran you love has been going through changes. Things like withdrawing, drinking more, or increased anger could be a sign of a larger health concern, but help is available. Dad finally went to VA for one-on-one and group therapy and got some really great tools to help him manage things. And I got my dad back. Listen to hundreds of inspiring stories at maketheconnection.net and learn how you can support the veterans in your life. Treatment works. Recovery is possible. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant, and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. From red waves. There isn't even a red ripple. To blue states. They want to turn the whole country into a blue city. Black Friday. It was like worse than Black Friday. To the White House. See, white and black liberals, they some nasty people, boy. They nasty. The conversation can get pretty colorful around here. I can't say the words on my mind on your radio show. We're thankful you're here. You're in the right place. News Talk WSAU. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King. Alan Haugam joining us here today. Pinch hitting from Merle Kelch, 715-845-2155. Estate planning is uh, Alan's expertise, but of course, as we have mentioned many times when he's on the program, he did go to law school and graduated uh, from law school. So with he can, honors, Tom. With honors, okay. And he can answer any legal question. Now, 
I don't know if you want to call and ask uh, if you have a way to get out of your breathalyzer or something like that, but uh, well, you could. We'll, we'll give you, a, you know, legal advice that is, uh, a, you know, kind of Worth akin, every penny akin to what you pay for. free it. on sure. the radio. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 715-845-2155. Um, so we're getting down to the end of the year. Are there any law changes coming in January that we know about that are going to affect uh, estate planning and things like that? You know, I think the one that uh, probably gets a lot of the headlines that does not affect it, believe it or not, Tom, would be things like the gift tax and the estate tax. So I think we can maybe go through a rundown a little bit of that at some point, but uh, uh, we'll, you know, kind of maybe head to the phones. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi, this is Joe. Hey, Joe, go ahead. Morning, Joe. Say, I just uh, would like you to touch on gifting money, and once that money is gifted, is it still available to if if a person has to go into a nursing home? Sure. I'll, yeah, I'll really hang what, up what now. You okay. can talk online. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and Joe, really what that comes to is, you know, there's some different limits. We'll talk about the IRS limits. The IRS limits. Uh, are, are these really, really exaggerated large numbers that you can gift without having to pay any tax. So we're not really worried about that. You know, the, the gift limit uh, as of 2022 was uh, you could give $16,000 to every person you see without even reporting it. You don't report it, they don't report it. On top of that, you could give, on top of all the $16,000 gifts you make each year, you can also give an additional $12 million, little over $12 million of lifetime gifts without paying any tax. You have to report it, but you don't have to pay any tax. So you can give these astronomical numbers without paying any tax. Uh, for the nursing home purposes, the state says uh, there is really no limit. There's no free amount. Uh, there's a, there, there's a, they have a couple of carve-outs where, you know, Joe, if you give $20 at uh, church and the collection plate every Sunday and you keep doing that, they for the most part, are going to leave you alone. Um, you can't give $20 a week and then give them, you know, $5,000 to the building fund. And, and oh, that one they went back. So, so really what ends up happening, Joe, is for the long-term care for the nursing home side of it, is when you gift something, the state says they want to document it, first of all. So it has to be in something in writing that says you did it. So if you just hand someone cash, there's no way to really uh, track that. And, and really, you don't get the benefit of the gift. So always make sure this is there's in writing. And we play by the rules. But what happens is they say if you if you later need any type of long-term care or any type of nursing home care, that the state will ask you how many assets you have. So whoever makes the gift, and generally it's the older person who has the assets, obviously, who's making the gift, they make the gift, and later they need nursing home care. The state says, how many assets do you have? And if you gifted enough stuff away, you might say, well, none. I don't have anything. They say, well, we know you don't have any assets, Joe. But we know that you gave things away within the last five years. So that's our first five-year period. Uh, there used to be one time period for this. Now there's a series of them. So there's, there's a five-year period where they say from the date that you are in this facility and, and you fill out this paperwork and there's kind of a, a procedure for doing it and they get you to sign it and they kind of hit the enter button on the computer. And this locks in your social security number to this uh, to this. Uh, kind of application for, for being in this facility. So they say, okay, as of this date, now we're going to look back five years, exactly five years from that, and whatever you have given away, whatever you have gifted away, uh, the state says that that causes some type of penalty going forward. And what they do is they say if there's any type of state benefit, there's any kind of medical benefit for the long-term care, 
Uh, and again, this is the long-term care. You know, the, the state average for this kind of true nursing home care is a little over $9,300 a month. So for anyone where that's just pocket change, if that's your bank interest is 9300 a month, <laughs> well, feel free to go grab an iced tea or, or skip the next three or four minutes of the, of the show. But for everybody whose income is less than 9300 a month in retirement, then the state says, you know, there are programs that help you with the cost of care and there's medical assistance and, and different types of things. But the state says if you gifted any money within the last five years that you're ineligible for those programs for a couple of periods of time. And one is for the amount of time that those gifts would have paid for. So if you gave away $93,000, they say, well, that would have paid for 10 months worth of care. So we're not, you're ineligible. Three for minute stations. Oh, see, they're even jumping in. That's the state trying to silence us, Joe. <laughs> you believe this? No. But what it is, is, is they say you're ineligible, you're, you're penalized, you're kicked out of these programs for that period of time. And you say, well, wait a minute. That's a penalty. I also have assets. So they want the assets that you have. And once all of your assets are reduced to zero, then and only then does that penalty kick in. And you say, well, this is kind of illogical. So once my assets are reduced to zero, then they impose this penalty of, you know, 10 more months where I'm not eligible for any of the medical assistance programs. And you say, well, how does that make any sense? Because now all my money's gone and now I can't pay. So you run into a little bit of a catch-22. Uh, and yes, it is as illogical as it sounds. Um, it's just part of how these rules have evolved. So they, they take a look at it. Now, if you say, well, how do you fix that? You could fix it by giving things away more than five years in advance. And I mean, literally five years and one day ahead of time, if you do that. Now, part of the problem is you don't know you don't when know. you're going into a right. nursing home. And so. then if you give it away, then what do you have left? Do you have enough left to live on? You know, the people you give it to, uh, we, we think they have the best of intentions and you say, well, I'm going to give, I'm going to gift you this money, but wink, wink, if I ever need it back, well, you can't gift it away with any strings attached. So if you have any sort of, of agreement where this money's coming back, well, then they say it wasn't really a gift and now we want the money anyway. And now there is no five-year period. We're going to penalize you forever. Um, if, if you gift things away and you do need nursing home care within the next five years, then there's essentially an unlimited penalty period going forward. Uh, and by penalty period, what we mean is that you're ineligible for these government programs or medical assistance or anything to help you pay for this $9,300 a month or $10,000 a month or $11,000 a month, whatever that, that cost is. So they, they really have you uh, kind of in a bind. So what you say is, well, this is these penalties are so outlandish that um, we're just not going to make any gifts. I couldn't give things to other people because, frankly, and those people might spend it. You know, that people spend it. You give them money, they pay off their mortgage. You give them money, they go on vacation. They buy a boat. They buy a pickup. You know, all kinds of things happen. Or they just don't give it back to you. So you run into a problem there, um, and, and you really are left, I would say, extremely vulnerable. Uh, and and there aren't many ways out of that. So um, that is one of the reasons, you know, we talk, we've talked in the past about can you, can you gift that money instead of to a person? Could you gift it to a trust? You could. Uh, it has to be a very specific type of trust. Uh, and you might say, Joe, well, I'm going to gift the money to a trust, so it's out of my name, but I can be the trustee of the trust, so I'm still in control of it, uh, which you can do. And, and there's, there's, again, there's, there's very specific ways that you do that, but at least then you are not as vulnerable and you say, hey, that money is still under my control if something happened, especially if something happened within five years. Or, you know, even better is can we create this trust more than five years in advance? That'll be the goal. Once you once you put that in the trust, that starts the five-year clock? Yeah. No, it's a specific type of trust. So, Tom, if we, you know, I, 
I would say in our office, there's probably, you know, 30 plus different types of pretty primary types of trust. So there's about two that would qualify. Okay. You know, so it's not, most of them don't. Most of just your basic garden variety revocable trust to avoid probate does not qualify for this. But, but if that's your goal, then you can. All right. 715-845-2155. We need to take a break for some news. We'll Camera phone. Done. By taking pictures of his important documents, Steve can always have them stored online. Learn more simple disaster prep tips at ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Getting support from friends online kept me on track. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk. I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything. Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried. I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it. So can you. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, and Merle Kelch is off today in the woods, along with a lot of you, I would imagine. I wonder if there are people listening to the show while they're freezing their tails off in their trees. Would they have right just those, you know, the little earphones that are just, you know, don't cause anything for the, uh, the, they don't upset Bambi or anything? I don't know. Maybe. I hope so. If they're paying attention to the show, will they miss the trophy buck that's walking by? Oh, the 30-pointer yeah, that just rolled by. The 30-pointer. All right, 715-845-2155. If you're sitting in your tree stand and listening to us right now, <laughs> give us a call. We want to hear about uh, how, how it's going this morning. Um, there's snow on the ground, easy tracking weather, right? This is a fantastic deer hunting weather, I'm except, sure. Except t- tonight it's supposed to get down to zero, well, so dawn be, tomorrow might be a bit brisk. but be chilly. You know, all right. Uh, where were we when we, we, we took our break here? Well, I think we were talking a little bit, you know, Joe was asking about gifting. Um, and maybe just to clarify, you know, the gift limits, when we say you can give 16000 per person per year, they're actually increasing that next year. So it's going to be 17000 per person per year starting in January. And the estate tax limit is going to be creeping up on $13 million. It's it's twelve nine twenty. Now, that's per person. That's how much, that's, those are the kind of gifts you can give. So when we talk about gifting on the show, um, we're not worried about the IRS gifts. If you're gifting more than $13 million per person, or if you're married, now we're getting to $26 million. The taxes don't really matter, do yeah, they? Yeah, at that point, I think, you know, that's a different conversation. And and, and, and this, there's certainly some people in the world, I guess, somewhere where that, that affects, but it's it's so rare. But the, the ordinary everyday gifting, when you talk about can we give the house to the kids, no, don't do ever do that anymore after Wisconsin changed that law. Can we give money to the kids? Can we give the cottage to the kids? Those are the ones that, and as Joe was talking about for nursing home care, that really are everyday questions. All right, we've got some calls. Let's go to the phone. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hey, this is Tim. Hey, Tim, and go I'm ahead. In, morning, Tim. I'm not in, I'm not in a tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I just wondering, uh, you know, my wife and I are getting up in our age and whatever, and, and uh, we we tend to uh, give a pretty sizable Christmas gift to the kids every year. Okay. And now, is there any limitations on that or just, you know, that's, you know, is that something that they can come back on us? And uh, if 
something happens to to us or I would say you know yeah if, if that Christmas gift it sounds like you're married Tim um, so if yeah. the Christmas gift to a child is more yep. than thirty four thousand dollars or thirty two thousand dollars this year it's sixteen plus sixteen you're supposed to report it to the IRS uh, but there's no tax to pay if it's bigger okay. than that that's when we run into our twelve and, and soon to be thirteen million dollar limits. So I wouldn't, yeah. unless you're getting to that number, you know, and sizable, that, that's, that's excessively sizable. But so for IRS, no problem there. Will it count against yep. the five-year thing with the nursing homes? Yeah, that's where you run into the problem, Tim. And, and if that's okay. your question, that, that, yes. That, that's my question. Yeah, so what happens is, um, and there's some limits. The, 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 believe it or not, the, the state and the nursing home, they've got some, you know, some portion, some tiny sliver of your income that you can gift. They really don't care. And, and, and there's no like number on this, so don't don't quote me on this. But if you give the hundred bucks to the kids every year in the in the Christmas envelope, no big deal. If you're giving them, you know, a couple, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand, you know, those kind of things. Yep. Uh, if either of you does need nursing home care within the five years after the date of the gift, so not necessarily Christmas, but you know, it could be whenever you write the check. So after the date of the gift, then uh, the state says we have to account for that. And that's just part of the deal. And uh, well, I suppose how do they know? Well, they got our bank records. I suppose. Yeah, the, they have the greatest computer system I have ever seen, and I'm not kidding. We've had people where where they need nursing home care, and and they they swear just on a stack of Bibles, this is every dollar I have everywhere in the whole world. This is gifts, and they give them five years worth of bank records and all kinds of things. And we've had the state come back and deny them. They say no, because you had. I swear this is true. Uh, like we had, you know, three hundred dollars in some credit union Christmas club account from the eighties, and they say, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even remember that place. I have money in there," and you know, and it's changed hands and the names changed. They have whatever kind of computer system the state runs with. It is exceptional at finding this stuff. So there's no. That's not the one computer it. system the state has that actually <laughs> is up to date and works. Huh? It is. I'm, I was going to say that. That that uh, they should switch some of that to the to the unemployment insurance. <laughs> yeah, no, Maybe so. No kidding. Hey, hey, we're gonna make the jokes on the show, Tim. You know, <laughs> that's uh, take it easy. Thanks but, for the call. Appreciate it. But no, Tim. Tim's right. That if you gave that gift, that they can and will come back. And we can even, you know, maybe after the break, we can kind of explain how the mechanics of that work. All right, let's go back to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Arletta. Hey, go ahead. Good morning, Arletta. Yes, uh, we have property in the UP that we inherited from our parents approximately 50 years ago, wow. and um, we'd like to sell it. What are the tax? Sure. What happens with tax? Well, I think Arletta, number one, um, uh, if you're a Wisconsin resident, it's it's good to get rid of all of that Michigan property because, you know, there's no reason to leave the borders. <laughs> you're in the best state in the country right now, Arletta. No reason to go anywhere. Well, you but. won't convince my husband of that. But. <laughs> no, we love the UP. We go up there in snowmobile and do all kinds of things. Uh, you uh, want to buy 80 acres of land? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I like it. Give me your number just in case. There's a lively uh, set of callers here this morning, Tom. <laughs> so, um, no, so what happens, Arletta, is, is you have to determine what the cost basis is for that property from when you received it. Now, um, if, if you inherited it, did you say that you inherited it um, when someone passed away? Yes. Okay. So you could go back and take a look at their either probate estate or their, uh, if they had a trust back then, a trust, you know, 50 years ago certainly existed. They weren't maybe quite as prevalent no, as they are today. I know they did not have that. So you'd go back and take a look and say, well, what was the value? 
Now, if, you know, these days we, we encourage everyone to get into a full appraisal, an official appraisal from a certified appraiser when um, real estate changes hands, when someone passes away, just so you can set that number. And it's for exactly what you're talking about. If you can't find it, you know, the state will have records as to what the, uh, the assessed value or really the, the estimated fair market value on the property tax bill was 50 years ago. And you can imagine 80 acres in the UP 50 years ago, you know, is this, you know, a hundred dollars an acre kind of land. Some people say, Oh my gosh, we wouldn't have paid a hundred dollars an acre. You know, we'd have paid 50 or, you know, so it's possible 80 acres might've been, and do you even know, I mean, was it no, $4,000 and 80? I mean, you know, well, we get some of those depending on where it is, obviously. But. And I guess there's another complication um, we inherited the front 40, and then there were four brothers, but three of them got the back 40. Okay. And we bought the back 40 from them probably 20 years so ago. So there'll be two different values sure. then, yeah. Yeah, and, and really, I think you can figure this one out. So whatever the value was when you inherited the 140, um, if you don't have any way to establish it, and the IRS says you're responsible for the capital gains tax, and we'll talk about how do you calculate that. You're responsible for the capital gains tax, and the burden is on the taxpayer to establish that cost basis. So if you, if you can't, then they would say, well, you owe tax on all of it. Now, to be fair here, because the, the, the value was probably low enough back then that it, it might not make a whole lot of difference, but I think at, at the very least you can contact, get the county records to say what was the value of that on the tax bill, and if you say, well, years ago they called it $4,000 for the 40 let's say. It was $100 an acre, so the 40 was $4,000. Um, and then the the back 40 that you bought from the three brothers 20 years ago, well, you know what the purchase price was, so that purchase price becomes your, your cost basis for that. So let's say now you sell 80 acres, and I don't know what the value is, obviously all dependent on where it is. Let's say you sold it for $2,000 an acre. So it's $160,000 that you're selling this 80 for. Well, you allocate it probably half and half. So the front 40, you've... You got it at a cost basis of four. There's $80,000 that you're getting for that half. So that's $76,000 worth of gain. And the other 40 you bought from the three brothers, well, you might have paid uh, $40,000 for it. Now you're getting $80,000 in return. So there's $40,000 to gain. You know, you can just kind of see with pretty quickly. Um, I, th I think this is one where you grab a CPA for this. Maybe okay. it's not well, mandatory, but just, just a CPA so, so that he or she can kind of walk you through that. Well, we paid the three brothers. $6,000. Okay, so you paid them for that 40 acres. So, yeah. So so maybe we're talking. So, Arletta. If, can we go by that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what, that's, what you, that's, what you, that's what you bought it for. That's your cost basis. And there's possibilities that you would adjust the cost basis depending on what you've done since then. You know, where they're, you know, and, and again, 80 acres in the UP. This is a, a time, though, when paying less for the land is not helping you because no, it's you're going you're, you're to pay more capital gains tax. Yeah, because there's a oh. bigger gain on that 40. So you paid 6000 for that 40 acres. And if, if now you sell it for 40000 well, then you have $34,000 of capital gain just on that 40 acres uh, or whatever oh. that number is. The difference between what you sell it for now versus what you paid for it, that's what we call gain or they call it capital gain and you pay capital gains tax. Um, and the capital gains tax can range anywhere from zero, depending on your income. But again, if you sell this, you know this gets kind of tacked on top, and it probably pushes you up into maybe the 15% tax bracket. Uh, in some cases, there's some, some add-ons. If you have a higher income, you can get into the 22 or 23% kind of tax for a capital gain. But I think this is one where, you know, I think, frankly, 
figure out how do you establish the cost basis for the 40 you inherited. You get the, the records from when you purchased the 40 from the three brothers. And then, you know, it's just like any other real estate deal. Sell it for as much as you can, whatever you're comfortable with. And, uh, but, but grab the CPA to, to, okay. to just figure this one out. So it's a good question does it, though. Harlan. Does it help that we're in our eighties? Is the, there any benefit to that? No, I think the only thing I let it, you would say is if, you know, if you're selling it to a child or something, or if you want to give it to a child, if you give it to a child after one spouse passes away and you have a Wisconsin marital property agreement, you might want to talk to your CPA because then um, you can generally wipe out the capital gains tax. Okay. So. It is in a trust also. I don't okay. know. Does that make a difference? It's um, For most trusts, it wouldn't make a difference um, for the tax purposes because I would hope the attorney that you're dealing with you know, would, would draft for that and say we want to get all the tax benefits in this particular type of trust. Um, and most basic types of trust would do that. Um, again, if, as long as the attorney that you drafted it with was aware of that. Um, but I think that's one where make sure you have a marital property agreement. And if if you don't need the money for it, if, if you, hey, if you say we need this money to live on and we're not using the 80 acres, then go ahead and sell it, get the money, you know, and, and add it to the budget. But if you say we don't need the money to live on and we want to get this 80 to family, then you can save some tax money if you wait until and you transfer it after you pass away. Because then they get to reset all of those cost basis and they don't have to pay any capital gains tax if they sell it afterward. So, Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate thanks, Arletta. it. 715-845-2155. If you have a question for Alan, we've got some time left. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day. Introducing the Dan Bongino Show. Now on WSAU. Democrats are absolutely hemorrhaging working class, dirt under the fingernails voters. People who work for a living do not want an entitlement state because they don't want to fund their next door neighbor, his kid Bodie, urban studies degree. They're not interested. Central Wisconsin's home for Dan Bongino. AM 550, FM 99.9 and in Wausau, 95.1 WSAU. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with attorney Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm here in Wausau, 715-845-2155. We've got a few minutes left. Remember, uh, early Badger game today. Badger game day begins at 9 this morning. The Badgers at Nebraska, and that's a kick at 11 o'clock. Um, so we're, what can we finish up here with in the few minutes we have left? You know, I think a few things, Tom, and, and maybe to kind of wrap up a lot of what we talked about. Uh, you know, the you know, we started talking about uh, – you know, some of the, the gift limits. Well, they, they're adding some of that. The, the IRS is changing things. There's going to be a headline in all of your favorite financial websites about the IRS changed the limits. You know, the inflation kind of kicked up a few of these things. And for the most part, that's going to be, it's fun to know. And it's, it's, it's nice to know. But for the most part, it, it really doesn't impact you a whole lot at all. Um, and if it does, you know, just pull out the piece of paper and a pencil and, and, and we can calculate that stuff. I think, you know, as Joe and Tim, you kind of put those two guys together and their questions the gifting to children for the purpose of protecting it, or if, as Tim said, if you give larger Christmas gifts, can that impact you for long-term care purposes, for nursing home purposes? Absolutely. So just be aware of that. And if you do, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't have anything opposed to gifting things to kids. But if you do, I would say maybe don't give it directly to kids, is, or at least consider not giving it directly to kids, because if you do, you run into this, five years looking back plus an unlimited look forward penalty, you know, and people, they like 
five. So there's five back plus five forward, or five years back plus the ten term years. Unlimited or is or never 20. good. Unlimited penalties. Yeah, is, yeah. We don't like those two words together. Right. Um, like unlimited buffet. Great. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, unlimited yeah. penalty. Not so good. So it's just one where just be smart about that. And and like we said, as we were talking, Tom, before, you know, if you combine that with a, a, a specific type of trust or an asset protection trust, you can gift things to the trust and from the trust to the kids. And now if we do it right, even a pretty simple, you know, if asset protection is in mind or the long-term care is in mind, you can at least reduce your risk period to instead of five years plus unlimited going forward, you know, there's ways you can reduce it to five at a maximum. So you can make all the future five-year time periods, all that unlimited kind of fold into one. So you still have to deal with five years one way or the other, but that's it. Um, and then if if you do plan it or if that's really just, you say, no, no, that's the sole goal is how much can, I don't have five years or I might not be healthy for five years. Well, I might not be healthy for five years either. I don't know, but but how do you plan healthy for five minutes Well, the things are going? But <laughs> it's, it's, it's some of those the Packers keep going downhill and it might be weeks here, but, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one of those where you say, uh, you know, can you plan for it? Can you even reduce the five-year penalty to something less? Yes. Now that's probably a topic that's, that's, that's longer than a one hour radio show, but, and it's probably more specific to family. But if you say, can we even reduce it to less than five years? You can. And there's just ways to do that. So, so I think, but talk to your, you know, your state plan, talk to your elder law attorney and just let them go through the math. Um, I think the other part of it, Tom, even getting back to what you were talking about in the beginning, uh, maybe a more practical advice for everyone, is when we say, what do the kids, what should the kids know? Or what should the people who are doing your um, your jobs, if you're not able to, who is your power of attorney for health care? Who is your power of attorney for finances? Who's the, the executor, personal representative, trustee, if we ever pass away? Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing in our workshop, or in our, in our office now, is creating a workshop for those people. You know, we, we've gotten this question enough, so we gather up our clients a couple of times a year uh, and, and just go through because people have questions about it. So we're going to start educating those people about it. So um, so for at least uh, just the, the new year, I think it's, you know, how do we get those people in and how can we kind of be of service to them? So I would say stay tuned. We might be talking about that on the radio show more as, as we go forward. All right. Well, we're just about out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Well, I say the easiest. We have uh, offices, Tom, in Wausau and Rhinelander. But the, the easiest, kind of the universal phone number for both is area code 715-843-5001. 843-5001. Or on the Internet, we've got all the information at haugumlaw.com. H-O-U-G-U-M-L-A-W. Haugumlaw.com. All right. Now, you're supposed to pinch hit for Merle next week, but you have tickets to the Paul Bunyan Axe game, so there's some question as to whether or not you'll be We've here. got to find out what uh, what kickoff the is kickoff for the Badgers is, yes. versus the, the Gophers down well, if in you Madison. Can't, if you can't make it, Merle's going to have to do the show from his tree stand then. Ooh, so. that could be. I don't know. What are people voting for then? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's do, right. It's a divided uh, vote. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you again down <laughs> Thanks, the road. Tom. Have a good week. Coming up on 9 o'clock and uh, no uh, polka shows today, unfortunately for the polka fans, because the Badgers have an early kick. And we'll be joining Matt LaPay and the Badgers at 9 o'clock this morning from Lincoln, Nebraska. They take on the Cornhuskers. Kick is set for 11 o'clock right here on WSAU. This is a St. Jude moment. Ashton was a high-level athlete. And in a, an instant, your world flips. 
and your healthy five-year-old competitive cheerleader has a brain tumor. And the physician was like, your best option is St. Jude. Receiving treatment that was life-saving for our child and knowing that that treatment would be of no cost to us was a huge weight lifted. Learn more at stjude.org. It's Must Hear Radio. On the left, the language they use and what they call one another. Mark Lee, Van Camp, and Robbins. Twitter is like just the absolute drainage pipe of human civilization, right? Catch up on the entire week, Saturday at 3. Hold on, why are you laughing, Robbins? Because you were laughing. No, I was not. You- on AM 550, FM 99.9 and 95.1. You know, that's just mean. I'm not going to pile on.